Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Is It Worth It, the film review podcast where we go out of our way to see all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. I'm Craig Fields. And I'm David Long. It's week 12, and on today's show we're going to be taking a look at a number of films. Uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story is going to be the first film that we review, and it's starring Donald Glover as Lando, Alden Ehrenreich, uh, Paul Bettany, Amelia Clark, Woody Harrelson also stars... Uh, as well as this, we will take a look at Cineworld's 4DX experience uh, and we will be reviewing Deadpool 2 in 4DX. And we invited two children to watch Sherlock Gnomes with us and they let us know their thoughts on the film. We did indeed. And finally, we will be concluding today's show by reviewing Edie, starring Sheila Hancock. Yeah, it's going to be a nice, well-rounded show today. Well, I, I hope so. Um, and we're kicking off with... Well, a bit of a discussion, I believe. Um, just <laughs> a general chat. Yeah. Um, want to start off by thanking everyone for their interaction in our uh, social media competitions, um, trying to win some free cinema tickets. We will be announcing later in the show who has won those tickets, but thank you for your response on Instagram, Facebook, etc. We've also had a number of emails this week, um, including one from Jack Payne, uh, just said that he was enjoying the show and thanked us. Um, I've contacted him. He's a big, big Jurassic Park fan of all the original films and the new one. So we're going to try and get him on the phone in a few weeks' time and find out his thoughts on the new film, which uh, I was looking forward to, but having just seen the trailer, I'm now not looking forward to because I think it looks absolutely ridiculous. But never, never look at the trailer and, and think... That's going to be a certain way. We I've always seen, say that. We yeah. always say that. Yeah, I've seen two trailers for it. The first one didn't give a lot away. The second one did. But yeah, don't judge a film on the trailer. I'm hoping that um, I will go in expecting nothing and come out very, very pleased. Um, what else are we doing? Well, we've got a number of emails uh, and and phone calls as well uh, in regards to the solo film. So we're gonna we're gonna play those for you and get those read out for you during yeah. During the um, review. So it's gonna be an explosive show, and we will kick off with our box office rundown. But it's been a fairly explosive week. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> where where you guys are all listening from? But here in the UK, we have had some monumental. Thunderstorms, thunderbolt and lightning, very, very frightening. Galileo, Galileo. Enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, we've we've had some uh, horrendous flooding. There was some flooding in Birmingham this morning. Mm. Um, so it's quite muggy and, and mild here. So the British summer, which normally lasts about a week, we are currently experiencing it. So, um, yes, an explosive week, an explosive show. And we'll kick it off with an explosive box office rundown. This is the Box Office Rundown. Brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Yes, that's right. It's the Box Office Rundown for the weekend of May 18th to the 20th, 2018. This is our second time recording this. Yeah, we, we've literally just sat here talking. It was the best box office rundown in the history of box office rundowns and we both looked at our computer and realized we weren't actually recording so oopsie we will go again because we may have heard this already but you our wonderful listeners haven't so where do we start well we will start at the bottom and at number 10 we have on chessel beach this is a film based on the ian McEwan novel um it's just come out in cinemas unfortunately for some reason it's not being shown in many cinemas Craig has seen it and actually we'll be reviewing it on today's show. We didn't say that in the introduction because we are not very organised today, apparently. <laughs> um, 
Craig will let you know if it's worth it. Ian McEwan novels are definitely worth it. So if you haven't read the book, read the book, and then Craig will let you know if the film is worth seeing. In at number nine, we have the Guernsey Literary and Potato Pill Pie Society. Uh, that's been in the box office for five weeks, and it's taken £5.3 million overall. Yes, uh, at number eight, just above that, we have A Quiet Place. That's been in the box office now for seven weeks. It's taken £12 million, and rightly so. This is a very good horror, uh, a very unique horror slash thriller slash drama, really. Um, both me and Craig loved this. It's still in cinemas and 100% worth it. If you haven't seen A Quiet Place, go and see it. In at number seven, we have Gabriel Union starring in Breaking In. It's been in the box office for two weeks and it's taken £800,000 overall. Um, so it hasn't quite hit any million pounds yet, but it, it took uh, £200,000 at the weekend, which is why it's in at number seven. Yeah, um, look, Gabrielle Union gives a brilliant performance in this. Uh, she is certainly better than the overall film. Um, I think it will struggle in the box office, um, but watch out for her. I, th I think she's she's more capable than the role she was given in this film. And Craig, what do we have above that? So in at number six, we have the secret cinema screening of Blade Runner. Yeah, the, I mean... I mean, it's not so secret anymore, It's been in the it? box office for nine weeks, so it's not that secret. But, yeah. um, but it's taken £3.1 million overall, which is pretty decent for a film that's been been out for a very long time. Yes, indeed. Uh, and above that, we have Melissa McCartney in Life of the Party. Is it Melissa McCarthy? Did I say McCartney? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of Paul <laughs> McCartney. There's a big Paul McCartney uh, photo in, well, painting slash, I don't know what it is, some sort of Paul McCartney memorabilia. memorabilia. Um, so it's Melissa McCarthy, not Paul McCartney. That would be an interesting role, wouldn't mm. it? Um, in Life of the Party, uh, that's taken 1.1 million overall. It's been in the box office for two weeks. Very strange film, quite annoying, but also hilariously funny. I thought it was worth it. I really recommend it. Craig wasn't such a big fan. In at number four, we have I Feel Pretty starring Amy Schumer. That's been in the box office for three weeks. It's taken £3.9 million overall. Took about £400,000 at the weekend. Uh, a, a relatively annoying comedy. Um, <laughs> Amy Schumer playing Amy Schumer. A Saturday yeah. Night Live mm. um, sketch show for about nearly two hours. Um, very yeah. formulaic. Very so structured like one long trailer really yeah um very good message quite an inspiring message don't think the delivery was as good as it could have been in at number three we have the oscar nominated sherlock gnomes <laughs> it's not it's not, not oscar no it's no. It, it's not um but uh, we have a very special review today because as we said earlier we took a couple of uh, children to see this film and they will be giving us their thoughts above that um, we have Avengers Infinity War. It's no longer at the top of the box office, but it is still there. It's taken £65.1 million in four weeks. That's a lot of money. It is a serious amount of money. And the only reason it is not at the top is because this weekend, Deadpool 2 took more. It took £13.3 million, uh, which puts Deadpool 2 at the top. Deadpool, Avengers, they are going to be in this box office for a long, long, long time. Yeah, uh, we'll be taking a look at Deadpool 2 in the 4DX experience as well. Yeah, um, that's going to be later on in the show. Um, if you want to listen to our actual review of Deadpool 2, it was on last week's show. So have a listen to that. Um, we're not going to go into significant amount of detail about about Deadpool 2. No, today. we're going to be reviewing 4DX. We went to see it in Milton Keynes and me and Craig had a, 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 real, <laughs> a whale of a, time. a real laugh. You know, 4DX, the chairs move, there's, there's wind, there's smell, there's steam. It's it's very, very interesting. Uh, and it really was a good, good laugh. And we will be reviewing that today. Uh, so that is our box office rundown. David, would you like to commence with the usual rundown from 10 to 1? Good maths again, Craig. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> at number 10, we have On Chessel Beach, starring the fantastic Saoirse Ronin. At nine, it is the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. At eight, A Quiet Place. Seven, Breaking In. Six, Blade Runner. Five, Melissa McCarthy, not Paul McCartney, in Life of the Party. Four, Amy Schumer is still feeling pretty. Three, Sherlock Gnomes. Number two, Avengers Infinity War. And at the top of the pile is Deadpool 2. 
I can't believe we didn't record it first time. Craig and I are both Cineworld Unlimited members and we think it's fantastic value. Now we're in partnership with Cineworld Hemel Hempstead, we are proud to offer you £10 off your first month of unlimited membership. This means for £7.90 you will have unlimited access to as many films as you like and with films like Solo, A Star Wars Story, Jurassic World, A Fallen Kingdom and Incredibles 2 all coming out in the cinema soon, you are spoilt for choice. As well as unlimited films, you'll also receive 10% off food and drink in the cinema, exclusive preview screenings of upcoming films and 25% off in selected restaurants. Unlimited customers can now enjoy 25% off food and drink at Café Rouge, Bella Italia, La Iguana, La Tasca and Belgo. All this for the special price of £7.90 for the first month. Just use the code, is it worth it? So we're going to be kicking off the show with our first review, which is Solo, A Star Wars Story. So um, we're going into this film as film number four since Disney has have taken over the, the franchise. Uh, so we started off with episode seven, then we went into Rogue One, episode eight, and now Solo, A Star Wars Story. And the project started off with with two different directors. Uh, it started off with Christopher Miller and, and Phil Lord. And the, the rumours went around that the film uh, wasn't going in the right direction. Um, it was a similar situation to Rogue One. Uh, and they brought in Ron Howard, who had to do some significant reshoots. Uh, and it's it's rumoured to be around about 70%. And I think that's you, you need to have significant reshoots to, um, to, to be able to have your name as a director attached to the film. Um, so Lucasfilm apparently cited created differences with with Miller and, and Lord uh, and and Ron Howard took over and 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 completely changed the story apparently um so essentially uh solo star wars story is the origin story of Han Solo and it chronicles his journey meeting Chewbacca his encounter with uh Lando as well um and it's 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 a fun heist movie essentially and and it's got a really great cast uh, going with it as well. Donald Glover as Lando, um, Alden Enright uh, as Solo. He started off a bit shaky, I thought, but he really moulded into the young Han Solo really well. Paul Bettany as Dryden Voss, uh, you know, a fiendish bad guy. Um, it really shows a lot more of what he could do. Um, you know, he played Vision in the Avengers film. Um, mm. We've got Amelia Clark as Kira. Uh, she was brilliant, and and Woody Harrelson as well. He was really great too. So, a really great ensemble cast um, with a, a, a really good script. I thought um, going into the film, you know, let's go to a clip and, and see um, what the film is about a bit more. You see, how'd you guys let me beat you on that? There's no liars in this game, just players. The seat taken. Nobody's in the seat that I ain't taking from. So this is, uh, Sabak? Sabak. Sabak. Got it. You played before? A couple times, yeah. Captain Lindo Karazi. Han Solo. Looks like you're, uh, having a good day. I'm a lucky guy. Can I ask you a question, Captain Calrissian? Anything, Han. It's Han, but... That's okay. I heard a uh, story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. So that clip was Han Solo meeting uh, Lando for the first time, and they play a game of Subak. Or sub what? How, how to pronounce Subak, not yeah. Subak. Subak, Subak. Um, which I, th I thought was a, a brilliant scene in the film and a really great introduction for those two characters meeting. Um, and overall... Um, I thought this film handled itself really, really well. Um, we we spoke to John McDonald on the phone a couple of days ago, um, and I think it'd be a good idea to play that uh, conversation now um, because I put to him a few questions about the film as a diehard Star Wars fan. Hello. Hello, John. How are you? Very good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Excellent. So you've recently been to see Solo, a Star Wars story. So this is going to be your initial reaction to it, I suppose. What did you think? Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I 
I am biased, uh, being a massive Star Wars fan. Um, but I thought it was brilliant. It was quite weird going into the cinema, though. I went to a um, Cineworld 2D super screening. So it was an absolutely massive screen. Um, but it's probably about 20 people in to see it, which was a little bit weird. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was very clever storytelling. Um, the sort of first 15, 20 minutes... Um, hands almost silhouetted which gave you time to adjust to sort of the new actor taking on the role <laughs> and what did you think um of the performance that was given for uh han solo uh it was pretty good i think the there are some moments especially in the um where his voice almost took on harrison ford's characteristics um and i mean the tough shoes to fill as well um, but I, I thought, all in all, he did like a pretty good job of capturing it. Um, and I wasn't too disappointed to see him <laughs> taking on the role. As, as a diehard Star Wars fan, did yep. you think that the story was needed? Or do you think, as Disney have obviously purchased the entire rights to Star Wars, do you think it's just another way of them earning more money and, and, and getting more money out of the, the franchise that they've purchased? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, I mean, as a, like I'm a true diehard Star Wars fan, and before uh, Disney purchased uh, Lucas Films and all of George Lucas's works, really, um, I was massively invested in the expanded universe. So I suppose for me, the the concept of Disney monopolising and, and building a franchise on top of you know the considerable work that George Lucas already did. It's not too bad. Um, I quite enjoy seeing more stories. I can see where people would call it unnecessary. Um, but I, I'm quite enjoying the web they're using, especially with the way they're tying stuff into, like the Star Wars Rebels TV series that just finished, uh, and drawing stuff from Star Wars Clone Wars as well. Mm. Like, I think they're doing a pretty good job of tying together all of the... Um, all of the different visual mediums that they're using to create like a, a bigger picture for the Star Wars universe. So I quite enjoyed it personally. Yeah, I, I quite agree with you on that one. Um, so if you had to sum up your overall view on, on the film, would you say it was worth going to see? I think for the last 20 minutes, it was definitely worth going to see. Yeah, <laughs> for the last 20 minutes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and finally, um, what Cine yep. World was it that you went to? Uh, so I was at the one in Wandsworth. Um, they've actually got a, a an entire 4D cinema screen there now, um, which I saw Ready Player One at, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, so the 4DX screen they've got there, it's a really nice cinema. Definitely worth checking it out. Awesome. So um, as you can hear, I put the question to John whether or not he thought that it was a necessary film to to have in 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 the uh, universe at the minute. Is it something Disney are just capitalising on? And I think the simple simple answer for this question is that yes. I mean, Disney purchased this, the franchise for a lot of money, and they have to start recouping their money mm -hmm. back. And you know, for them, they they have to pedal it out for, for the for the viewer for the audience. I I'm not so sure that they are pushing too i think they're pushing out too much at you know very quickly um you know it was only six months ago that we had episode eight that came out um and then we're gonna have another spin-off i think with lando in it um and we've got episode eight uh sorry episode nine coming out mm. um i reckon fairly soon as well probably christmas time more than likely um so it it is a difficult one to say for that but as somebody who hasn't seen the films david mm. you you haven't seen a single star wars film and we touched upon this um when we started doing this yeah podcast. we did first show actually yeah yeah um for you how how was solo for you so to to give a bit of background star wars is something that's i mean obviously uh, growing up it was everywhere and it, it was something that never really interested me it was something that i never got into and i found myself getting behind and there were so many films that i needed to see that i, I i'll be honest i didn't know where to begin um so now we're doing this podcast and this film came out it gave me a great opportunity to enter the star wars universe and obviously the first film came out in 1977 so we've got 40 years 
that this has been on the big screen. And it's instantly recognisable all around the world, particularly characters like Darth Vader. You know, kids nowadays know who Darth Vader is, even if they haven't seen the films. So I was excited to to, to get into, into this universe. Um, and this, this film gave me um, a great opportunity because really it works as a standalone film. Obviously, it fits into the wider uh, universe and it fits in between episode... Uh, I think it's episode three and episode four. We may be wrong, and if we are wrong, we apologise. But it, it fits in nicely. And look, this film was always going to be seen by diehard Star Wars fans. Whether they liked it or disliked it, they were going to go and see it. So actually, I think it's quite an interesting film for people like me who have either never seen any Star Wars films or watch some of the originals and, 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 and didn't particularly enjoy them because it's, 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 it's a modern film um, and, and it gives you an opportunity to get involved. And what did I think of it? Well, I really enjoyed this film. Um, I really can't comment on, on, you know, references and how it fits into the wider universe. We've got a fantastic re uh, email from uh, Richard Memzak, which we'll be reading shortly. But overall, I, th I thought the film was great, and I'll tell you why. It was well-casted, um, as we've touched upon. All, all the, the leading characters were perfectly casted, in my opinion, just in a standalone film. So I can't comment it as a, as a wider piece, but as a standalone mm. film, I thought they played each individu individual character very well. I thought the script was solid. It, it gave the actors plenty to work with. Um, I thought it was well-paced. Craig disagreed. Craig said that the start was a bit too slow. For me, I enjoyed the start. I liked getting to know the characters, particularly Han Solo. I liked to 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 get to know him a bit before he went off on his ventures. Um, so I thought the pace was well good. Uh, well good. <laughs> pace was well good, fam. No, um, I thought the pace was was handled well and it, and it built nicely. And also, I thought the action was good. Um, you know, there wasn't too much. Some action movies, you know, if you think of Avengers or, or perhaps other Star Wars films, you know, when you see the trailers, it seems to be a lot of shooting, a lot of, you know, in-your-face action. There actually yeah. wasn't a huge amount of that in this, and I quite liked that. Um, the action that there was, I thought, was visually very effective, certainly on the big screen. Um, and, yeah, do you know what? I, I left the cinema thinking i want to see more of this um and i am going to to watch all of the star wars films and i'm really looking forward to it N not only from a uh, a film perspective but from uh you know um a sort of personal perspective you know you've got 40 years of films i've got to to look and enjoy so for me before we get onto the email i don't know when we're going to ask the question but if you haven't seen any star wars films ever or you've only seen a few and you didn't like it this is 100 percent a film you really do need to go and check out yeah from from my point of view um somebody who has seen all of the star wars films i wouldn't say i'm a diehard fan i don't know everything about the extended universe as mm. richard will uh, go into a bit of detail in his email um I, I felt that it did lack a sense of danger um, sim yeah. simply because, I mean, m most of the Star Wars films, they have this danger going into it. But because of where it's placed within mm. episode three and episode four, where, where I think it's placed, um, you know that they're going to be OK. Um, you know things are going to end up OK. And, and that gives you, for me, it gave me the sense of no real jeopardy going going into the film. Um, which was a shame, but but you for those who are diehard fans and and people who have seen the other films, um, I don't think they're gonna be too worried about that. Mm. It was just something for me that I just didn't feel like I I was I was getting that sense of danger. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean to touch upon briefly that that idea that you you put to who was it we had on the phone? Uh, John. John on the phone, and we've also I mean Rich touched touches upon it in his in his email about is this film necessary and and more importantly are disney just making these films to make money the simple answer to that is 100% yes these films really are just being made to make money in my opinion because there are two types of film there are films that are made for the purpose of art and there are films that are made for the purpose of profit and i think i may be wrong that this film is is a, is a is a money maker. It's been put in 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 sort of the middle of the Star Wars universe story, and it's an opportunity to to make money. And like you said, Disney have invested a huge amount of money in this, and they're going to want a return. 
what what does it mean for the future of of the Star Wars universe? I mean, we've we've discussed it, we've laughed about. Uh, well, do you want to touch upon? We sort of laughed about you know parallel universes and what the hell could they could do with this. And it's it's all very complicated. Yeah, obviously Disney own Marvel as well, mm. and Marvel obviously did some of the comics for Star Wars as well. I I can't comment on on reading those comics again. Richard will know a lot more about this, and John as well, because they are, as they say, diehard Star mm. Wars fans. Um, and you were saying, wouldn't it be hilarious if if they crossed over with well, no, with, I, with I mean the Marvel comics, i.e., Iron Man and and, yeah, and the Avengers and stuff. The the point I was making was. You know, we talk about universe, expanded universe, multiple universes. You know, I, I'm sure Richard's probably l- crying with pain listening to this. But you know, could they could they do that? Could they cross them? Could we have you know Darth Vader fighting the Hulk? I mean, you know, and 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 people might say, "Oh, well, that sounds ridiculous." But once you have a franchise and you you can make money, Richard says this in an email. Really, they can do whatever they want. Um. So, I mean, we were obviously having a bit of a laugh about sort of Iron Man popping up in a Star Wars film, and really that was just banter, but there's a serious point behind it, and is that it is, if you are a diehard Star Wars fan, and, and what this email I'm about to read shows brilliantly is, is how much people love these films, love the comics, love the universe, love the story, that it is, it is scary for these people going to see hmm. these films, because potentially you've got a lifelong journey you've been on with these characters that can be ruined, you know. I compared it to Toy Story 3. I was terrified to go and see Toy Story 3. Ultimately, I thought they did a great job. I'm terrified to to see Toy Story 4 because is it needed? Is it necessary? And I've spoken about this with the new Avengers film with Deadpool 2. Money, money, money. Whereas I want to see film being made for the purpose of art. Hmm. Sorry, <laughs> no, no, you. <laughs> that was a bit of a rant. No, you're very, very much so correct with that. Um, let's let's see. Uh, read uh, Richard's email and yeah, see what so he this has email to say. is from Richard Memzak. And Richard, I apologise if I don't give it the justice it deserves. He says, "My thoughts on Solo. As a long-time Star Wars fan, I was a little bit tentative going into the cinema, as knowing that Disney took over, they made the original extended universe stuff non-canon. They could now, in theory, do whatever they liked with Han Solo and his background story." Is what I touched upon just there. The problem here, however, would be that in changing everything, they'd upset a lot of dedicated fans. So the filmmakers obviously had a challenge to stay true to the original story, the background that the fans know, but to make it current, interesting and fun. Luckily, they hit the nail pretty much right on the head, in my opinion. They have veered a little off uh, path, changing some details, but not a huge amount. Enough to make it their own, but enough to stay true to the old, now non-canon story. I did, at a couple of moments towards the start, get very annoyed with a couple of happenings. But then, given a couple of moments, I had forgiven the film and saw the sense in it. Um, The email goes on to give three fantastic examples of how important these films are to diehard Star Wars fans. And Rich talks a little bit about uh, how Han Solo acquires the dice... Um, he also uh, touches upon our hands meet Chewy, and finally he talks about the Kessel Run. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to put the full email on our social media pages. I think Craig says it's going to be on our yeah. It'll mainly be on the blog. Um, they these are big spoilers, so yeah, if you haven't big... seen the film, don't read the email yet. After you've seen the film, go and go to the the website, and you'll be able to read the full email. They're they're big spoilers, but they're they're fantastic to read. Um and really like i said does show just how keen fans are on on this on this whole universe he he gives us a review of the film as well which is also brilliant he says as for the film itself it's a solid film not the best most groundbreaking or pivotal ever but far far from the worst it's very well paced interesting and exciting throughout fun and very well done humor isn't over the top or annoying like it has been in the last jedi think of the opera singing alien on canto bite or hux being used as a slapstick prop uh, poe dameron's opening scene winding up hux and it doesn't distract there are a few light nods to other films characters and events in the franchise but nothing nothing overly important so what he suggests is that big fans can go oh you know that's a thing and new newcomers can let that pass right over their heads and he says that's fine because these little things don't actually matter or impact anything largely he says overall the film just doesn't matter it doesn't seem to really make a huge difference it's not too significant though it is great well made well thought out and it's nice to see a part of the star wars universe that we haven't experienced too much 
before. Uh, he concludes the email by um, mentioning the cast, uh, and he says, I think uh, Alden Einreich um, makes a great hand solo. Woody Harlson's role of Tobias Beckett is also a good move and an important one, I feel, for implying how Solo Han becomes a new hope Han. Also, Donald Glover is perfect as Lando. Uh, nail meathead, he says. Um, difficult boots to fill for both Han and Lando, but they would have struggled to do better. Um, both believable and logical. Uh, and he says, watching Amelia Clark as Kira, I never thought, oh, look, it's... Uh, how do you say that, Craig? <laughs> Daenerys Targaryen. Daenerys Targaryen from Game, Game of Thrones. Um, he, he simply says, she was Kira. End of fantastic effort and delivery by all involved. In conclusion, if you're a big Star Wars fan and you don't watch Solo, you're not really going to miss out on much. But if you are a big Star Wars fan, you're going to see it anyway, which is the point I made, probably numerous times. If you're a casual fan or not really a fan at all, it's well worth seeing, and I totally agree with that. It's not important or necessary, but it's a very good film and it respects Star Wars well. Uh, when I first saw Solo... Solo? <laughs> when I first saw Solo, I thought, yeah, it's all right, not bad. Uh, the more Richard has thought about it um, afterwards, the more he respects the film and enjoys it and he will ultimately see it again. He concludes fantastically by saying, Solo, a Star Wars story, perhaps a bit of a gamble. Han Solo himself may, may say he doesn't want to know the odds, but there's, but there's more than just luck on his side for this story. Um, I think it's an absolutely fantastic email. I apologise, Richard, if I couldn't read it uh, as well as it deserved but we are going to make that available for people to read and he and he, and, I, and I, he talks about hitting the nail on the head i think the, this email hits the nail on the head oh yeah definitely um particularly you know like he says it's really it's not necessary but it's it's watchable and it's enjoyable and and what i got from his email mostly was people like me this is a, a film for us to go and see star wars fans are going to see it anyway probably multiple times um and this has been a fairly long review. Is there anything else you would like to add? Other than obviously to thank Richard for a fantastic email. Yes, uh, Richard, thank you very much for the email. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're going to try and get you some tickets sent over to you as well. So you can um, yes, uh, go and see either that, Solo again or you can go and see something else as well. Um, John as well, thank you very much for your phone call. Yeah, um, cheers, John. Really good to Thanks have you that. on for that. Um, and uh, to, to summarise then, uh, David... Solo, a Star Wars story. Is it worth it? Yes, uh, I think this is 100% worth it. I think it's worth seeing on the big screen. Um, John said he saw it on super screen. I would thoroughly recommend that. Um, if, if you are listening to this and you are like me and you've not seen any Star Wars films before or you've seen them and you didn't enjoy them, go and check this out. 100%. I agree. Um, definitely worth going to see in the cinema whether or not it was is something that um, is necessary as Richard has says as I've, as I've said as well doesn't really matter it's, it's Star Wars if you enjoy Star Wars go and see it and apologies if I got any names wrong if we said anything wrong about the Star Wars universe um, I'm fairly new to this but pleased to be involved looking forward to catching up on the other 209 films <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie, we will now be reviewing On Chessel Beach. This is a film starring Saoirse Ronan and it is based on the very successful novel by Ian McEwan. Um, Craig is far more committed to this podcast than I am and he has seen this film and I haven't. So you are now going to have the privilege of a review from Craig. Craig, what did you think of this film? Uh, so uh, we'll start from, I guess, from the very beginning. As you said, it is an adaption of Ian McEwan's novel of the same name and it's starring Saoirse Ronan and Billy Howell. Um, uh, Ian McEwan actually uh, adapted the um, screenplay himself um, and it's directed by Dominic Cook, who is making his debut into feature film work. Uh, so the story is about Florence and Edward, their young university graduates who have just got married in 1962. And most of the film revolves around the night that they are uh, going to consummate their marriage. Um, and as this night slowly unfolds, um, which is really delicately done, um, it's clear that they've never been intimate with either each other or or anybody else for that matter. And during that course, we're, we're, we're treated to a lot of different flashbacks of how Edward and Florence actually meet. 
Um, and, and, and Edward really wants to share his news about getting, uh, sorry, in the, in the flashbacks, we see Edward wanting to share his news about getting a first degree in history. Uh, and he turns up spontaneously to a C&D meeting um, and just to speak to anybody. And that's where he meets uh, Social Ronan's character, Florence. And and we and we learn that Florence is a very talented and tenaciously ambitious uh, classical musician from a very well-to-do family, and and and, Ed, and Edward is this young man who's slightly from a slightly humbler background, um, and he's also very quirky um, and and also uh, gets into fights in the past, uh, and and there's this real sense of love between these two characters, like instant love. Um, there's there's a lot of unspoken truths within this film and I think one of those is to do with class and I think there's a great clip that I've got here that sort of sums that up uh, let's go and have a listen to that do you remember a couple of months ago I said I met this chap at a CND meeting I've asked him around tomorrow for tea chap is he a beatnik no beard and sandals no what does he do he's a beatnik shut up he's like me just finished his degree what college UCL. But darling, that's London. For the sons of tradesmen. Florence. They produce some pretty decent engineers. Well, exactly. What does his father do? You mean, is he working class or one of us? Yes, I think that's more or less what I mean. His dad's headmaster of a primary school in Henley. What does your young man intend doing with himself? I haven't researched his prospects. I haven't worked out his precise socio-economic status. I haven't arranged to marry him. I've asked him for tea. For tea. So that clip really highlights the, the class difference about how Florence really has to fight with her mother and her father about um, their more traditional views. And, and, and to me, they're quite snobby. Um, probably more so with um, her mother, um, which you don't see so much within the film, but within those scenes, you do get this very almost right-wing approach. And Florence is is, is much more liberal in her mm. views. Um, and that's just one aspect of the film. Um, but we learn we learn a great deal about these two characters, um, Florence and Edwards. And, and you sort of learn in this short space of time how they have grown and become different different people. Um, and become adults since since graduating university. Um, and the film really does touch upon some serious issues in a very delicate way. Um, and, and, and it's these unspoken, repressed emotions and truths that we go through um, in during the flashbacks where you get very delicate amount of information about it. Um, and it's not until the final acts that we really do get the truth coming out. Um, I mean, and it's, it's the later parts of this film, like very the conclusion parts of this film that that could be seen that is going to put people off. Um, there's a lot of cinematic techniques that they use, like prosthetics, um, which could make it very difficult for you to carry on that emotional connection that you pick up with with these characters, because the film is a character piece and it is all about the emotion about these two people and how they meet and how that how they fall in love. And and it, it, I found it a little bit difficult to connect with those characters at the end. However, you almost forgive it because because of how much the uh, emotion you've you've invested in these characters throughout the entire film. And and there are slight problems. There's slight problems with the pace, and some people might find it difficult to to cope with the flashbacks, which is quite typical in in an Ian McEwan uh, adapted screenplay mm. for the cinema. But ultimately, this film. Um, is is actually very beautiful, and and as you were saying in the solo uh, review, you you're looking for films that are not there for profit, mm. films that are for art, and this is one of those films, without a doubt. It's it's beautifully shot, um, it's really well cast. Um, you know, uh, Billy Howell and and Saoirse Ronan do a fantastic, in fact, mm. a phenomenal phenomenal. I can't even talk. A phenomenal <laughs> job at mm. playing these two characters. Um, and I really loved the film. Mm. I really did. Yeah. That's a fantastic review. And just briefly to touch upon, you know, j j just from the trailer, I could see that this was a real arty piece. And we talked about films made for the purpose of art and not profit. And it's literally at number 10 in, in our box office rundown. And it only took 100 grand. Mm. 
I think a lot of that has got to do with the limited release of mm. this film. Um, and is that, do you think that's because it's a it's it's a, uh, a directorial debut? Is 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 that why it's limited? I, or? I I don't know to be honest with you. It could just be the distributors that picked it up. They're mm. not pushing it as much. It wasn't picked up by the right distributor, perhaps. Um, or the cinemas aren't picking it up and paying the money to have it in all of their cinemas because they don't think it's going to do so well. Mm. It's the same with Lady Bird. Um, yeah, that, again, that, Saoirse Ronan. I mean, yeah. Saoirse Ronan, I haven't seen this film, but she's everything she touches is gold. She really is very, very talented. So, Craig, um, on Chessel Beach, for the cinemas that it is in, is this worth people going to see? Craig, is it worth it? Yeah, yeah, definitely worth going to see if you can find a cinema near you. Uh, the local list... Localist. The the most local cinema to us was High Wycombe, um, and I, it, it's being shown there, and it's being shown in Milton Keynes as well. So if you're Hemel Hempstead bound, you can uh, venture out slightly further. It's showing in all of the London uh, cine worlds as well, uh, and and not to mention there are other cine uh, cinemas as well that you can go and see it. Um, it's it's more of an art house sort of film, I'd, mm. I'd say. So that's probably why it hasn't been picked up so well. But if it's starting to take money, it's in the box office at number 10. Further cinemas and Cineworlds might hopefully pick it up so you can go and see it if it's not a film that's going to be local to you. Um, but yeah, definitely worth going to see. Thank you. Welcome back. We are now reviewing Sherlock Gnomes, and this is a sequel to Gnomeo and Juliet. Uh, and I'd like to start by saying that this has a, a really quite phenomenal cast when you look at it. James McAvoy, Emily Blunt, Johnny Depp, Maggie Smith, Michael Caine, and also Stephen Merchant. Uh, so a really quite uh, impressive cast. And and what this film is about, uh, it follows the story of Nomeo and Juliet originally, um, and they've just moved, well, their family's just moved to London. Uh, and the film picks off with basically them um, worrying or trying to get their garden ready for spring. Um, but what happens is, is while they're out, um, they come back and they realise that all the other gnomes have gone. Uh, and what becomes evident is that there is a phantom being that is stealing all the gnomes across London. All gnomes are going missing. This is really, really is quite a tragedy. Um, and there's only one person that can save the gnomes, <laughs> and that is Sherlock Gnomes. Um, so Sherlock Gnomes, the famous detective who is sworn protector of garden gnomes, arrives on the case with his trusty sidekick, Watson. Um, and we go on a bit of an adventure um, with these characters. Uh and we also went on a bit of an adventure, didn't we, Greg? We did, yeah. We took uh, Zach, who is seven years old, and Harley, who is five, to to have a, a, a watch of the film and then afterwards tell us what they thought. So um, we did a little interview with them afterwards, and this is, uh, this is what we got. So we are here at Cineworld Hemel Hempstead, and we have just seen Sherlock Gnomes, and we've got two very special guests with us. We have... My name is Zach. I'm seven years old. And I like the film. And can you tell me your name as well? I am Harley. Yeah. Harley, what was the name of the film that we went to go and see? Sherlock Gnomes. Okay. And Zach, did you... Um, can you tell us about the film? Can you tell us a little bit of what the film was about? So basically, um, there's these two detectives. One's called Watson, one's called Sherlock Gnomes. And basically... Um, all the gnomes have been captured and then the two detectives are trying to save them from this evil mon evil monsters and there's two like stone flying dragons which are trying to like kill them and like kidnap them yeah and did you did you like the music in the film as well yeah i i know a bit of the music who whose music was it do you know Elton John's. Yeah, it's good, wasn't it? And yeah. Saturday Night All Right. You like Saturday Night's All Right? Yeah. Yeah, me too. And what did what did you what did you think of the cinema overall? What's it like coming to the cinema? Is it good fun? Yeah, I've been there once, I think, or like a couple of times. But it was good, wasn't yeah. it? It was good to come out. It was yeah, good fun. I watched like Paddington and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, I watched Paddington too with Harley. Good man. Nana. So it sounds like you've had a enjoyable evening at the cinema, which is always good to hear. 
It's a very funny film. Me and Harley both like it, and it's suitable for kids. Well, you heard it here, folks. That's yep. a, that, that's a, that, that is this the guy answer. knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Sherlock Gnomes. Is it worth it? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. That, that there you have it, folks. A true, a true split decision, fifty-fifty. Um, I think there's he's he's got a big grin on his face. I think I think you enjoyed it though, didn't you? I saw you laughing. I could I could see one. you laughing, and at one point I, you know, you were like a zombie. You were just hooked on the film. So thank you very much, Zach and Harley, for that. Um, Harley, <laughs> bless him. I I don't think he understood the question when we asked it to him the first time. So we did ask him the question again for the second time. Um, so this is what Harley said the second time round. Sherlock Gnomes. Is it worth it? Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. It sounds it sounds like we forced him into saying that. We didn't at all. It's he just, he, did, he po- genuinely just... did love the film. But yes. <laughs> every time no. we stopped recording, he decided to then talk. Yeah, I think he was a bit nervous with yeah. the microphone, but I was sat next to him and trust me, he he yeah. enjoyed he enjoyed the film and yeah, thanks to both of those lads for coming along. Um hilariously funny boys. When I first turned up, I think they'd been prompted by you and uh, Ashley to to say hello, Egghead, uh, which was a nice welcome. And then the best bit was when we left them, and Harley said bye bye, Eggman. <laughs> it, was, it was I just become the Eggman. Um, but yeah, so what did what did you think of the film, Craig? Um, as an overall film, I enjoyed it. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's a kids' film at the end of the day. It's it's not really for adults. No. Um, but I, I I actually enjoyed it. Like it was it was an, a well rounded film. But there, there were aspects of the film to pick at if we are going to critique it in mm. in a certain way. And I think you've got a few points that you wanted to to pick up on. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I'll start off by saying this is a very average film at best. Um, but you've got to remember this is a kids' film, and I think kids will enjoy it. And that is the purpose of these films, you know. Adult, although saying that, there was actually three fully grown women behind us, weren't there? Who they were, were who were, who were not only watching the film, but really quite enjoying it as well. Yeah, really cackling away. Uh, really cackling away. But look, in my opinion, this is this is quite an av- an average film. Um, I thought it started with real promise, and I, I I surprisingly liked it for the first half an hour. I thought, blimey, this is actually quite enjoyable. But then the sort of the novelty wore off, and it and and it it just didn't really do it for me. Um, but you know that that is coming from a fairly critical perspective. You know this is a kids' film, um, but there's a little bit of humour in there for adults, um, and 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 really this is a film designed for kids and for adults to take their kids along and for the kids kids to enjoy it. It's it's not got a great reception from critics, but films like this rarely do unless they're something very very special. The audience score is significantly higher than the critics' consensus, which doesn't surprise me. But for me, I think I think it's worth taking your kids to see. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, and then as uh, Zach and Harley pointed out, it's good for all ages of, of kid kids range. Mm. Anyway, um, and and I, something else I picked up on was was the Elton John aspect of the film. Um, that um, <laughs> well, actually, what are, you, what are you trying to say? You, you're trying to prompt me to say something, aren't you? Yes, during the interview that de- that we had with Zach and Harley, <laughs> all I could hear whilst editing oh, it dear. is David's breathing. I'm really sorry. It, I, it, it is bad, actually. Um, I had the mic quite close to my face and it was very hot in that room. So I am doing a Darth Vader impression. It doesn't sound great. So apologies to our listeners, particularly if you've got headphones in. If you're listening with headphones, I, I apologise. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the Elton John. Um, it felt a bit forced, didn't it? it, it, it mm. I mean, he's obviously he obviously wanted to be a part of the film. He's a big producer on the film. Um, and you're right, it did feel a bit forced having a lot of his music in there. But no, but I love Elton John's music, mm. so actually I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, and, and one of the other musical numbers, I don't know if it was an Elton John song, um, that did feel a bit... Sherlock Gnomes' ex. Um, I... I don't know actually if that mm. one yeah i think that might have been a, a sherlock gnomes original it could um, have been i'm not sure the music element brought much to the table um but 
like I said, the cast was very impressive. And we, we didn't realise, actually, until I subsequently looked it up, that Johnny Depp is the voice of Sherlock Gnomes. Mm. Um, and look, you know, I mean, we could we could dissect this film and I could write a, a short book about it, you know, you but it's not a film that you can overthink. You know, adults are going to come out and go, yeah, that was a, a kid's film and kids hopefully will come out and enjoy it. So, Craig, I will ask you the question before I bore our listeners into submission. Sherlock Gnomes, is it worth it? Yes, of course it's worth it. It's worth it for the kids mainly, but, um, you know, every kid that came out of that cinema was actually laughing and talking mm. about it with their with their parents or or the uh, their guardians of some sort. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely worth guardians it. Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> um, yeah, look, um, it's a kid's film. If the kids like it, it's a great success. So take your kids along, and if they don't like it, we will not take any of the blame whatsoever. No. Um, so coming up <laughs> next is a, a much um, more dramatic film. It's uh, it's Edie. Um, so we're going to head on over to that review now. So this is Edie. Uh, This is a film uh, about an um, 83-year-old woman who has recently lost her husband. And he, over many years, seems to have repressed her by not allowing her to have this freedom of speech and doing the things that she wants to do. And she somewhat has regretted not being able to speak up for the things that she wanted to do. And now that she's 83 years old, she feels this sense of freedom that, that's come her way and that she should take life um, by the horns and, and do something about it. And she finds a postcard um, from her father when she was first married about going on an adventure up a mountain in Scotland, Mount Sullivan. Um, and she decides that she's actually going to go to Scotland on her own and, and climb this mountain. Um, you know, if she basically says, this is, if this is the last thing that I do in life, then I'm going to go out in style sort of thing. And, um, and she, she, she goes off and she does, and she attempts to go and do this. And, um, this is definitely one of those films that's, uh, no, no, we don't have a clip, David. Thank you for interrupting. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm really sorry, Matt. <laughs> I tried to whisper to you, but the mic, these very expensive mics you got are very, very good. I, I've completely lost my train of thought of where I was going with that now. Uh, we don't have a clip, but we were talking about the film. <laughs> you weren't even listening, were you? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for that. I was listening. Um, we, we, you were doing very well. We don't even have a clip to go to, right? You tell me your thoughts on this film. So, I mean, we were just speaking about this. Um, this is a film that you want... Do we have a clip? Yes. No, <laughs> no we don't. <laughs> this is a film that you want to love. The, 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 look, the story is about uh, an elderly woman who's, who's lost her husband. She's been oppressed. She wants to climb this mountain. And you're thinking, yes, Edie, do it. Come on, Edie. Half an hour. When when are we going to climb this mountain? An hour. Get up that bloody mountain. You know, it it it's it's the Guardian describes it as the height of tedium. I think that's a bit critical. But there is a pace problem with this film, and there is a fundamental problem with the relationship between Edie and the other main character. Just doesn't feel quite right. And like I said, the very the the material of a of an elderly woman climbing a mountain in Scotland is inspiring and, and you are with the film and you want to love it, but it it just doesn't seem right. And I think Craig, you had a brilliant analogy actually of of of, of what it was like watching the film. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in in any typical film, you've got your your beginning, your middle, and your end. And at the beginning, you're in first gear, mm. and it just seems to be revving along in first <laughs> gear for a long, long time. And, and just... you want right, come on, change change gear, change the pace, change change the interaction between the characters, and it doesn't change throughout mm. the entire film. You you still get that sense of wanting Edie to achieve the thing that she's there to do. Mm. But you just don't get the character gear change that you would usually get in in the relationships because they just start off so 
already like acquainted with themselves with mm. each other almost like even the acquaintance scenes where they where where they run into Edie it's almost like yeah it's almost like they've met each other before but they haven't mm. it it's very familiar they're very familiar with each other um and i don't know if that's a directional um downfall or if that's a pace downfall or if that's just an acting thing i mean to be let's be honest sheila hancock was superb in this film mm. and she what what a wicked job she did actually you know climbing that mountain she was up that mountain obviously she there may not she may not have actually climbed it without help because, because she's an 83 year old woman but you know there, i see no reason why she couldn't do it but mm. i mean it was a difficult one, isn't it? Because... It is an um ah. I mean, Sheila Hancock gives a brilliant performance, and I've got to say, it reminds me a little bit of um, Kate Winslet in Wonder Wheel, in the sense that she was the Kate Winslet was the glue that held that film together. I think the same can be said for Sheila Hancock here. I think she 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 delivers a a very good performance, but I just don't think the direction and the the interaction with uh, Kevin uh, Guthrie. Who who plays Johnny, the guy that ultimately trains her to to get up this mountain? There's something not quite right about mm. it, um, and it is frustrating because this is a film you want to love. Um, having said that, you know it does inspire you. Uh, as soon as we left the cinema, I was like, "Craig, we're going camping in Scotland." Um, <laughs> we're gonna, you know, because it does make you think. You know, we only get one life, and and there are things to to do, and there is a beautiful world to explore. And um, y- you'll know that I. Um, I lost my my grandpa recently at the age of uh, 93 and it was a, a, a fantastic experience for me to climb Mount Vesuvius with him at the age of 86. He, he actually climbed it in a suit, um, <laughs> a, a, a proper old boy. Fantastic. And, you know, that was just lovely. I mean, he he really struggled. And, I you know, in, in the it, Italian, he, I remember helping him up and getting to the top of that volcano. It was just a wonderful experience. So, you know, things like that are, are memories to be tre- uh, uh, cherished. And I think as as we live in a society where people are living longer, um, and our gen- particularly our generation, people in their 20s and 30s, a lot of us are going to make 100. I think it's important for elderly people to achieve things, to go out and see the world and be encouraged. You know, we're all going to get old. And, you know, it is an inspiring story. But the deliverance of the story is not as inspiring as the message no however the cinematography within the story is is beautiful mm. it's beautifully shot um and it it is just that character interaction which i think is a failure on the director's point point of uh point of view mm, and definitely the pace i i understand exactly what you mean it reminds me of when i learned to drive and it, you know and they come mm. on change gear and that just it's like it it, it's there. It's right on the edge, and it's like change, just change the way, or or even you know, come out of first stop. <laughs> Let's calm. It's just so one paced, um, which is a real shame. Uh, and the score is is nice, but it's nothing special. It's sometimes a little bit um, repetitive. Um, yeah, the themes did keep rearing their head, didn't they? Yeah. A, a lot of the times, and um, you know, it has one uh, an. Uh, uh, an award, I believe. Um, let's have a look. Uh, yeah, one win and one nomination. It's not for a Razzie, is it? Uh, no, no, no. I don't think so. It's um, it was a winner at the uh, international narrative competition, um, and it was uh, a nominee for the audience award at Edinburgh International Film Festival as well. And this this just goes to show that it is more of a festival film, mm. um, and it's obviously a, a more of an artistic piece, and there is a lot more to interpret it. Between the lines of the um, in this film, but for a cinematic film in the cinema for a wider audience, I'm not so sure this is one of those films mm. um, that's going to be appreciated so much. Um, and I mean, it's got a wider um, distribution than on Chesil Beach, which I'm surprised to mm. be honest. I I would say it'd be a reverse distribution in the sense that there would be less viewings for Edie and more for on Chesil Beach. So I'm a bit surprised by that. Um, but, you know, th- let me ask you the question, David. Is it worth? Is it worth it? I want it to be, but unfortunately, no. I, I, ju- I just don't think this is worth going to see in the cinema for the reasons we've outlined. I think there's problems with the character interaction. There's problems with pace and it doesn't deliver what it could 
Um, the me- the message is is beautiful. The delivery isn't. So yeah. for me, it, it's not worth seeing. No, I completely not. agree with you, and and it hundred percent completely agree with everything you've just said. So I'm not even going to answer the question because I agree. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's all right. Thanks for change. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we're now going to head on over to our 4DX review of Deadpool 2. Um, so stay tuned. Um. So welcome back. Uh, we're coming to the end of the show, but before we conclude, we are going to review the 4DX experience, which is available in a number of Cineworlds across the country. We went to Cineworld in Milton Keynes. We were invited over there to review the 4DX experience. Now, what is 4DX? 4DX provides you with a revolutionary cinematic experience, which stimulates all five senses. Uh, the 4DX includes high-tech uh, motion seats, uh, special effects, which include wind, fog, uh, lighting, bubbles, water, rain, scents, uh, and you can watch this in both 2D and 3D uh, formats. And the, and the special thing about 4DX is that these effects work in perfect synchronicity with the action on screen. Um, and it is programmed by a Japanese gentleman. I believe, Craig, there is only one man on God's good earth that can program this. So we've been led to believe anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been led to believe that there is just one Japanese gentleman. But but what it does is, for example, when we had the slow motion scenes, the seats move in the opposite direction to the slow motion camera. So you really get a feel that you're actually moving in slow motion. It's it's quite clever. Um, it's, it's really immersive. I... I, I really wasn't sure about it before we went and mm. and it was absolutely fantastic like but we were joking when we were in there like how how intense <laughs> is this going to be oh is it going to be turned up to 10 yeah and, yeah and during the flight scenes are we going to be thrown around in well, our chairs and and, and whatnot wh- what i what i liked about this experience was that that, that twice before the film starts and you have this because of health and safety regulation a long list of things you know don't watch this if you have heart conditions neck conditions back conditions you know and i thought blimey what are we in for here? And like I said, if, if it was on like a two, I'd love to have turned it up to a 10. So there was just been popcorn flying everywhere, hot dogs literally holding onto your seat. But what you do get is a really fun experience. And I would recommend this with a group of friends because if you go, you you feel like you've you've done something special. And it's if, if you've ever been on those motion simulators at theme parks or fairs, it's similar to that. But you're obviously in those. You tend to get fairly poor visuals. You know the 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 hmm. simulators I went in as a kid. You know sort of those cartoon roller coasters and stuff. This with Deadpool two, you got the the fantastic visuals with vibrating seats. We had water in there. We had steam. We had lighting, um, and and I really enjoyed it. You know, I I came out and I and 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 I enjoyed it. But the more I reflect on it. And having been to the cinema, regular cinema, a few times subsequently, uh, it made me think just how sort of fun this was. Yeah, and, and I suppose it's like how much they can actually utilise the 4DX experience in, in in other films as well. Um, you know, Deadpool 2 was, was fantastic in 4DX mm. and um, they really utilised it very, very well. Um, we won't go into the details of Deadpool 2, but there were specific scenes in the film that, that worked like, really fantastically mm. well uh, as you were saying the slow motion scenes where uh, you know the cameras were panning around the characters you really felt like you were moving with yeah. that camera and you were in that film and um, and that for me is better than IMAX 3D oh absolutely because much, you're, much you're better. immersed in the film whereas in, in the IMAX 3D you've got so much popping out at mm. you you can't keep your eyes focused on what's going on but with 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 the 4DX, you are part of the film rather than being thrown elements of the film at you. Yeah, I totally agree. I I, I think that 3D. I've yet to see a film in 3D where I where I actually think you know that 3D enhanced the viewing experience. What this does is what 3D tries to do, which is bring the film out of the screen, and it does that with the vibrations, with the with the water, with uh, the use of wind, the wind. Uh, um, particularly with the one scene, it's not a spoiler because it's in the trailer where they um, jump out of the uh, plane. You know, it, with the wind blowing in your face, it's it's really good fun. You know, and I think if you go with a group of people 
uh, you'll have a good laugh. And I believe tickets are around £16 yep. at Cineworld. Uh, and that does sound a lot, but for that extra £5, I, th- I, think, it, I think it's worth it. 100%. Yeah, so do I. Uh, so the 4D expect, uh, the 4DX experience, David, is it worth it? Absolutely. 100% worth it. Yeah, so find uh, find your local Cineworld on uh, cineworld.co.uk and have a look and see whether they've got a 4DX screen there. They're not in every Cineworld. No. Um, they've either got an IMAX screen or they've got a 4DX screen. Uh, it's either one or the other or a super screen as well. Um so it's, it's it's two of those three things that they usually have in in, in the city worlds. Um, we don't have one in the Hemel Hempstead one, but so but the most local one to us is is Milton Keynes, and their facilities there were fantastic. Yeah, as well. the the a big thank you to Milton Keynes for inviting us over. Yeah, brilliant cinema. Um, and thanks to for Paul and Dan for communicating with with yes with Milton Keynes and and getting it all sorted and organised for us because that was great, really good. So I believe that brings us to the end of the show, but not quite the end of the show. No, um, we have an announcement to make. Um, do, do we? Can we have a drum roll? You can insert a drum roll sound effect. I think that would be slightly better. <laughs> so there we drum roll. So we've been running a competition for about a week on our social media for you guys to interact with a certain post uh, telling us what films that you've seen recently in the cinema um, and which was your favourite and then to share the post as well and you'll be entered into our prize draw. And uh, on Facebook, Alison, you have won two tickets to go and see any film that you like in the next six months Um, and that includes IMAX screenings as well and that can be used in any cine world within the UK. Um, We'll be in contact fairly soon soon so that you can um, get those tickets from us yeah so congratulations Alison thank you for participating in our competition and we would encourage all listeners to keep a very close eye on all of our social media outlets Twitter Instagram and Facebook as we said now we're in partnership with Cineworld Hemel Hempstead we are going to be offering more free tickets so please do get involved and you can get involved in a number of ways like i said on social media or craig how else can they get involved you can contact us via email the email address is my mail is worth it at gmail.com uh, a thank you to jack for emailing us thank you to richard and to john as well for giving us a phone call and to zach and harley for coming with us to see sherlock gnomes and reviewing that with us as well yeah uh, so we're going to be um, off for maybe two weeks for mm. week 13. So there'll be quite a few films that are going to be reviewed on that show. Uh, we're both going to be um, off gallivanting around doing certain things, stag do's, um, <laughs> different work commitments as well. Yeah. Um, but we will catch all the films in the cinema so you don't have to. Um, and we even the bad ones. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers for that, Craig. That's all right. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, enjoy the hot weather and we look forward to speaking to you again soon thank you goodbye